Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. There's only one constant in this world, change. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Changes both big and small can be scary sometimes, and that's totally normal. Thinking about the what-ifs or the unknown can make change difficult. But are there ways that we can become more open to it and feel more prepared even? To get some answers, we're featuring our Twitter Spaces conversation with Dr. Maya Shankar, a cognitive scientist and host of the podcast, A Slight Change of Plans. I started by asking Maya how she got the idea to start a podcast about change. Yeah, so in 2020, probably like so many who are listening, I felt completely disoriented by the change that was happening worldwide on the racial justice front with the pandemic and and also in my personal life. And I just remember feeling like everything was so unprecedented, like I hadn't been given the answers to try to figure out how to solve the very specific changes that we are all going through at that moment in time. But when I put on my behavioral science hat, right, which is where what my academic research is in, what I realized is that while the specifics of any current change might feel unprecedented, our human ability to navigate change is not unprecedented. We've done this change rodeo so many times before just by virtue of being human, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that meant is that I could mine my own life for previous examples of navigating change and try to understand how I dealt with those changes. And then what inspired a slight change of plans is I thought, well, why limit it to myself? I'd love to mine the wisdom of people's stories worldwide around how they've experienced, you know, remarkable changes in their lives and have come out the other side and have learned something really interesting about how it is that we navigate change or how we can better navigate change. And so that was the genesis for a slight change of plans. It's part science, part storytelling. So we hear from experts on the science of change. And then we also hear from just regular people who have gone through, you know, incredible changes in their life where the kinds of changes, by the way, where it is an instant before and an after, right? Like these seismic shifts that, that fundamentally change who we are. Yeah. And I may be biased here, Maya, but why do you think storytelling is so effective? (laughs) You're not biased. It's so interesting because I think, you know, coming from a a research science background, you know, I focused so much on the science, but I felt like when it came to understanding the intricacies of how it is that we navigate change, the science was falling short. It's very, very, very hard to be prescriptive about how any given person in a very particular situation with a certain psychological constitution should respond to change. And so the the spirit of the show is to use stories as a way of helping people just build a toolkit around change. So they're learning insights or learning strategies or learning techniques from the guests on the show, and they can opportunistically employ those insights over the course of their lives, depending on the change they're going through. And they can actually be experimental with how they use those insights and techniques. And so it's really the spirit of learning on the show. You know, we're trying to see where stories can give us um, the kinds of insights science can't, and then see where the science corroborates what we're learning from the stories. Well, you spend a lot of time talking about other people's experiences of change on the podcast, but what about your own? Are, Are there points in time that immediately come to mind for you? Yeah, I think part of my inspiration for starting A Slight Change of Plans is rooted in my my personal story of change. 
when I was a little kid, I was an aspiring concert violinist and my entire life centered around the violins. So from the time I was nine, I, I studied at the Juilliard School of Music in New York. My mom and I would get up at 4.30 in the morning and take the train from Connecticut to wow. New York for over 10 hours of classes. And then, you know, for the, any classical music nerds listening, um, when I was in high school, it's like Perlman asked me to be his private violin student. And, you know, he's considered one of the best violinists of our time. And so that was a huge vote of confidence that I needed uh, to feel like maybe I had a shot at going pro. And so, uh, you know, things were looking up. And then I had my own, quote, slight change of plans. When I overstretched my finger on a single note, I damaged tendons in my hand. And I was told by doctors that I could never have the career that I'd hoped for. I couldn't, I couldn't play the violin again. And so just like that overnight, I had to figure out this loss. And I think what was so interesting about the experience, Sasha, is that I, I expected to grieve the loss of the violin, but I did not expect to grieve the loss of myself. Mm. And, and that's when I learned how powerful identities can be. You know, like I, I, my identity was so tethered to the violin that when I lost the ability to play, I felt like I didn't know how to relate to myself anymore. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. And so one piece of advice I'd give to people, and this took me a very long time to learn, is rather than attaching our identity to specific pursuits, like, you know, being a doctor, or being an artist, or being a violinist, or, you know, where, wherever, whatever the domain is that you're working in, it can be much more durable and safe to attach our identities to the features of those pursuits that really make us tick and really bring us passion. Yeah. And the features of the violin that lit me up were emotionally connecting with others. And when I realized that, like, ah, it's human connection that made me fall in love with the violin, then when the violin was taken away from me, I was able to find this in other areas, the same underlying trait. Yeah. And, you know, you see that in my work in public policy and studying the human mind and the, the nature of human connection, but absolutely with a slight change of plans where the whole show is about forging these deep emotional connections with my guests. So I would ask folks to try to identify, like, what is what is your underlying, you know, what's the underlying trait that unifies the things you're passionate about and, and hold on to that in the face of change, because it can help you be more resilient. I'm sure there's so much we could learn from your story there. Maya, thinking back to the conversations you're having here on the podcast, something that came to mind was, you know, I'm sure talking about these life changing events, even long after they've happened, can really help people process the change even more. So did you, mm -hmm. did you find that guests were having realizations while talking with you on the pod? Oh, yes. I mean, that's like the most delightful part of the show is when together in conversation, we're able to arrive at a new understanding of someone's change experience or a new understanding of self as, as we dig into their past. And I think one of the things that hold us, holds us back in the face of change is that we default to telling ourselves a very specific story about our change experience. And unless we interrogate that story, it can, it can be the thing we latch onto and it's hard to break free from it. And so um, one of the most gratifying parts of making the show is when we're talking about a change and then suddenly the, the guest says out loud, like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about it that way. Or I'm just realizing for the first time that maybe I was thinking about this, you know, this way instead of that way. Mm -hmm. and, and I just, I live for those moments on the show because I feel like that's when, yeah, when those kinds of discoveries are made, it, it, what it reveals is that the person is building a deeper understanding of self. And I think that's one of the ways in which we can be more resilient in the face of change. And we've been talking 
about big changes, but even small changes can feel big, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the way that I define change on the show is interesting because I think people can have what appear to be big external changes in their lives, but if they don't alter you in some way, then I don't even count that as being like a candidate for a slight change story. So the thing that qualifies a story as being relevant for the show is when whatever the change is leads to a really big shift in psychology, a really big shift in the way they see themselves, they see the world, um, they see themselves in relation to the world, they see others. And it's really interesting because you don't always see a correlation between like a massive shift and that kind of internal shift. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm often solving for in advance of the interview is like, okay, so I, I know about your change story, but like what changed in you as a result of this? And mm -hmm. um, that's that secondary layer that I think intersects really in a really important and interesting way with psychology, because you don't know what you can't always predict how people will internalize a change and respond to it. And I have been surprised countless numbers of times because I I would have thought a certain change inspired a certain internal shift and then my guess completely proves me wrong and and reveals to me that they had they learned a very different lesson that they took away something very different than what I thought they would take away and I think it's really helpful for us to hear from all these different people about their different perspectives yeah well what does the science tell us about people when they experience change what's happening tells us a lot of things, but I think one thing that we're not very good at is predicting how the big changes in, in our lives will change us. And that's in part because we're not good cognitive, what's called cognitive forecasters. We don't do a great job at identifying the things that will make us happy or not happy. And we also forget that we will be different versions of ourselves after a change. So either the change will alter us in some way that makes us respond differently to it or sees it differently, or just through natural, natural evolution of life, we will change. And we sometimes forget that. I think we think of ourselves as being these fixed entities that live in a dynamic world and we're unchanged, but like we'll, we'll be exactly the same people with the same preferences and the same insecurities and the same desires and wishes. And of course uh, we change throughout the course of our lives. And so one thing that I've learned from a lot of my guests is the importance of having humility in the face of a change, whether it's a willed or unwilled change, whether it's a change that people code as positive or negative, it's going to be more complicated than you think. And there will be upsides and downsides that you simply cannot predict. And yep. so being humble in the face of change, auditing yourself, looking for unexpected ways in which you change as a result of the change, like these are all really good um, things for us to internalize because we can have an overconfidence. We can overprescribe how we think our future selves will respond to something. And the one unifying lesson of a slight change of plans is like everyone seems to surprise themselves in some way over how it is they responded to a change. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sasha Ann Simons. I'm host of Reset. We're talking about navigating change because change can be overwhelming sometimes. Let's face it. So what can we do to open ourselves up to it? Our guest is Dr. Maya Shankar, who's a cognitive scientist and host of the A Slight Change of Plans podcast. So Maya, you had uh, Nora McInerney on the, on the show to talk about her experience losing her husband to brain cancer. And she said something mm. that really struck me. Nora said, uh, quote, we want to make meaning out of our experiences, but we want to do it really quickly. And we want to alchemize our suffering into some form of self-improvement or a product, a literal thing that we can point at and say, look, 
look, I made this thing. This is what it means. End quote. What do you make of that? Yeah, that was such a fascinating conversation. Yeah, what Nora's story uh, teaches us is that when change happens to us, we really do default into meaning-making mode. I've certainly done this myself. So I, I had a very personal story that I shared on the slight change of plans where my husband and I experienced two pregnancy losses with our gestational surrogate and were devastated. And I immediately found myself trying to figure out, okay, are there any silver linings here? Is there any meaning here? What can I do to redeem this situation, which is otherwise just so, just feels so awful and so tragic. Yeah. And it's a cautionary tale, tale from Nora, because on the one hand, it is very good to feel a sense of, of purpose and it is good to try to figure out if you can find meaning in suffering because that's a highly adaptive tool. But there are limits where you push yourself so far and you drive yourself so crazy and you, you end up using it almost as a distraction that you don't end up having the time and space to just process your grief and, you know, just live out other parts of your life. And I think for Nora, she essentially became this grief doula for, for others, even though she wasn't mm -hmm. trained as a grief doula and she was running nonprofits. She was hosting Facebook groups. She was taking calls on Christmas Eve from, from other widows. And, you know, that was coming at the expense of her well-being and her time with her, her children. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, it's all about finding balance, but we just want to yeah. be mindful that we don't go so far that we don't take the time to care for ourselves. I feel like we have talked a lot about unwanted change, but sometimes wanted change is, is just as scary, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, wanted change is scary because there is this uncertainty around change that can be really daunting for all of us. So there's a study I, I love, which just shows how repelled by uncertainty we are as humans. Mm -hmm. So yeah. people are far more stressed when they're told they have a 50% chance of getting an electric shock as they are when they're told they have a 100% chance of getting an electric shock. So we would rather be certain that a terrible thing is going to happen to us than have to manage any feelings of uncertainty or anxiety, which is so interesting. But I think the reason why wanted change is, is particularly challenging for people is that we, we tend to think of change as happening in a vacuum. So let's say, you know, I'm, I'm super eager to, to change my job because there's one element of my job that I really, really hate. We forget that when we change our job at large, there will be spillover effects into all other parts of our lives. It's really easy for us to visualize that one thing improving. It's really hard for us to visualize all the things that are currently the case with our current job that we might lose, lose right? Or that might change in some way uh, that affects other parts of ourselves. So remembering, you know, there's this obviously the adage like, you know, grass is greener, but why is the grass greener? It's because mm -hmm. we sometimes forget how many good things are entangled with the thing that we're trying to change about ourselves. And so yeah. again, um, there's some, there, there's one episode in particular wired for change on the show. It's, it's just my, one of my absolute all time favorite episodes, which I think speaks really well to this. Right. Well, you know, Maya, this actually speaks really well to a personal story that I have because I mean, our regular reset listeners will know that I am I'm from Canada. And eight years ago, I made the decision to uh, to leave the country. I got a job opportunity and I made this decision to, you know, leave with wow. my, my young children in tow and move to this, you know, foreign land and pick up this this new job. But my immediate family doesn't do well with change. 
Mm. I, my mom, my sister, and they know this about themselves, so I can share. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) They are so attached to their comfort zones. And so what I found was happening with me is as I'm supposed to be, you know, celebrating this, this great success and this, this wonderful news, what they're averse to change started to rub off on me. And Mm. I began to second guess my decision. Regret started to sink in. But again, this was a great thing. But, you know, of course, I carried on with 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 my plans and so forth. And and over time, I I got to change folks' minds. But they were just it was their fears, right, that they were projecting on me. Well, what's going to happen? You you don't know anyone there. There's we're not there. Are you serious? You're taking the kids. Is this job really worth it? All of these Absolutely. things, but I, you know, I stuck to my guns and I went ahead and, and, and took the job. And of course the rest is history. Here I am in Chicago. But if I have to think about how it altered me going back to something you brought up earlier, I think I became more resilient, Maya. And I think mm. that that strength, I see it showing up time and time again in my life. That resilience. I love your, I love your sharing that story. And I, and I feel like, again, we change can be so scary for very good reason at times, but I think one silver lining we can always hold on to is that we will build a better understanding of self. And in many cases, we will build resilience and we will feel stronger coming out the other side. And that's a really powerful thing to hold on to when, when you're feeling really daunted by the idea of, of change. Thinking of folks like my family, what, what can we do to encourage ourselves to be more open to change? Well, I think this is where the storytelling piece becomes really powerful because you can intellectualize that change is a good thing, right? I can say, Sasha, like embrace change more. And you're going to be like, yeah, kind of, okay. Tell my family (laughs) that they're not really going to listen, right? Right, right. Um, This is where I found such therapeutic value in listening to the stories on a slight change of plans because it's really a show, not tell experience. You're learning through these stories implicitly what the value of change is and that you might not need to be as scared of it as you think, or you might think about it differently at a minimum. And so I have found it's not, it's not an overnight fix to just like change your mindset around change. I think listening to the episodes and really internalizing them and then revisiting them from time to time can be very powerful. Well, what tips do you have for, for people experiencing change right now? Yeah, I would say think about how the change is intersecting with your identity and try to tease out the role that's playing. Because I remember when we had the, the miscarriages with our surrogate, I I realized that a huge part of my grieving process was not simply grieving the loss of these babies, but actually grieving this identity that I'd given myself for the duration of the pregnancy, which is I'm a mom, right? I'm going to be a mom. And somehow just labeling that, like understanding the role that this future vision of myself was playing in my grieving process, I think was was very, very helpful. And then I think the other thing is you can approach change with some degree of curiosity and uh, like almost a sense of delight, which is that we feel that we have a fairly good understanding of who we are because we have a first person perspective of who we are, but change can reveal so much to us that's undiscovered uh, about how it is that we can be in this world. And time and time again, I've heard stories of people who tap into parts of themselves where they're like, wow, I did not know I had that in me. Or like, I did not know I had this trait. I did not know that I would respond in this way. And so that 
that's wonderful that we can view, um, we can actually view our change, however hard, with some degree of curiosity as to what we might find out about ourselves in the process and, and the lovely ways in which we might surprise ourselves. This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason and Sarah Stark, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. Did you know that you can tune into our Twitter Spaces conversations live? Yeah, that's right. You can even ask your burning questions to our guests and be part of the conversation. Just give us a follow at WBEZ Reset. That's all for this episode. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great rest of the weekend. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.